Warning! This episode of The Secret Cinema contains discussions of disturbing and adult content. So, heads up! Ah, it's a brave new world. How's that? You know, I got nothing against you or her. LAPD, I work with all kinds. I lay my life down for those guys. All kinds. But that's where I work. This is where I live. I'm trying to raise these kids by myself. Teach them to respect themselves and the people they come from. So I don't need you or your lady putting your bedroom scenes out here for them to see. I don't think they're ever going to forget that little synchronized swimming exhibition. Me either. Look, Abel, I'm sorry. Maybe there's places where that's okay. And maybe that's where you ought to live. Secret Cinema, the podcast that finds value in cinematic oddities. I'm Paolo Carone, my co-host is Carrie Chafee, and today we're rejoined by friend of the podcast, Wade, to discuss Neil LeBute's 2008 domestic drama thriller, Lakeview Terrace. In the discussion, we very bluntly accuse LeBute of misogyny based on the nature of his creative output, so out of fairness to him, I want to offer quick corrections on two things. First off, we never specify this, but Neil LeBute did not write the screenplay for this film. It was written by David Lowry and Howard Corder. Second, during the discussion, I simplistically misrepresent the climax of LeBute's play, The Shape of Things. I claim that Rachel Weisz's character's art project sets out to prove that men are scum, but it's much more nuanced than that. From Wikipedia, and this will make much more sense in context, Evelyn, Rachel Weisz's character, presents Adam a character played by Paul Rudd, to an audience of students and faculty as her creation, announcing that she had been instructed to, quote, change the world, unquote, by her graduate advisor, but that she had chosen to, quote, change someone's world, end quote, instead. Her work consisted of sculpting Adam into a more attractive human being. Accordingly, none of the feelings she has shown him throughout the film are genuine. At no stage in their quote-unquote relationship has she fallen in love with him. Her videotapes of their lovemaking are simply part of the project's documentation. She also announces that she is not going to marry him, and the engagement ring he offers her is simply one of the exhibits of her art installation, the quote, capper to my time at mercy, end quote. And just reading through that now, I realize that the two main characters are named Adam and Evelyn, a.k.a. Adam and Eve... Alan. So now then, here's Carrie with the plot summary. Moving is never easy, but Chris and Lisa, an interracial couple, have it made when they land their dream home on Lakeview Terrace. As they get comfortable in their new digs, they meet Abel Turner, a local police officer, and their next-door neighbor. Chris and Lisa quickly learn that Abel is not their biggest fan. But when Chris tries to defend himself, he discovers that home is where the hurt is. As you heard in the intro, Abel, as played by the master of menace Samuel L. Jackson, does not like Chris. In this clip, which takes place at Chris and Lisa's housewarming party, Abel's character and manner of speech are on full display as he aggressively derides Chris and his friends. Keep in mind that Abel is established as a conservative, and that immediately prior to the start of the clip, Chris and his friends are having a discussion about global warming. Here's that clip. 
Anyway, there is an awful lot of evidence piling up, so... That's something you studied up at Berkeley, Chris? No, Abel, just something I'm interested in. Oh, so you're not an expert. I mean, you work for, like, a grocery store chain or something like that, right? Yeah, with a pretty strong environmental agenda. Whoa, 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 time out, debate over. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, what do you do, Abel? I am a police officer. Oh, you are? Yes, sir. Chris, hide the pod. <laughs> Not the pot I'm worried about. It's those cigarette butts he keeps flicking over the fence so the wife won't see. Dude, you're so busted. Really? Uh, uh, where do you patrol, Abel? I'm assigned to the Valley Bureau of the LAPD over near Panorama City. You know where that is? Uh, yes, I think. Been there? I've never been. Come on down. We'll show you some things. I'm sorry, is that something you want to say? No. You seem to have an opinion about law enforcement. I'd like to hear it. Uh, let's talk about something else. Oh, no, no, no. We could talk about something else, but I think your friends want to talk about this. I just find that there's an attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, a kind of um, aggressiveness when you deal with them. Which I can certainly understand. I'm sorry, Miss, um... Eden. Eden. Well, Eden, when you're getting jacked outside your loft and W here doesn't have the, uh... energy to stop it, we'll see about sending the nice police over to help you. That's if it's not too late. Sounds like an unpleasant person to have in your life, huh? Well, Chris's problems do not end there. In this next clip, Chris and Lisa are meeting with Lisa's father to discuss the situation with Abel, but Lisa's father can't quite hide his lack of respect for Chris. Please note that, up until about a minute into the clip, Lisa's father refuses to even look at Chris. Here's that clip. You have any proof? Not exactly. But he told us we weren't welcome in the neighborhood. That's what he told me. He refused to turn off his floodlights, he's made these implications about Lisa and me, and he was standing right there after the whole car tire thing just waiting honey do you have any proof chris just answered that daddy no no not exactly but the way it seems to me the man never made an actual threat against your life or property so it's his word against yours and he has let's say the color issue on his side and that color happens to be blue as for the lights you could file a civil suit I wouldn't advise it. These things have a knack for turning out badly. Yeah, but why do we have to be the ones? That was my professional opinion. What's the point of carrying on with this? You bought this as a starter home. Fine, you start it. Put it back on the market. You take a loss, so what? Then you can do what we wanted you to do, which is let us help you. Carol, do you think you could just have the courtesy of including me in the conversation? Are you going to have children? What? Daddy, that's not what we came here to talk to you about. Chris wants me to address him. This is what's on my mind. You plan to have children with my daughter? Yes, I do. We do. I do. Yes. How do you intend to protect them? How am I going to protect them? 
Well, I'm gonna get a gun, Harold. I'm going to amass an arsenal. A lot of firepower. How's that work for you? So, that baby that Lisa's father wants? Well, he's gonna get it, whether Chris likes it or not. In our final clip, Lisa reveals to Chris that she's pregnant, which would be a much nicer surprise if Lisa hadn't lied to Chris about taking her birth control pills. Here's that clip, and we'll see you on the other side for our discussion of Lakeview Terrace. You okay in there? I'm pregnant. You sure? Yeah. I did three of them. Uh, should we call her? What about your pills? I might have missed a few, maybe. Whether you did or you didn't. I did, okay? So. I did. I thought we were gonna wait. <clears throat> you don't always get to choose this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, you Chris. do. That's sort of the point. Come on, you. You choose to take birth control. You can read the label, and you, come on, we had a plan. Our plan was to start a family. I can't believe you're not even just a little bit happy about oh, this. Oh, come on, that's not fair. Well, I, you know, I didn't. I, this is not some sort of sneak attack. Right now, you want to start a family? Right now. Right now, we just moved in. I'm sorry. Is it not convenient for oh, you? Oh God, no! Come on. It's not about convenience, it's a whole different life, you know? And what life is that, Chris? The one where you're not married to me? Come on, Lisa, that's not... <sighs> I gotta go to work. I'm late. So, Lakeview Terrace, um... Where to start? Where to start? Well, there's there's only so much to really talk about with this one, so let's just start with gut reactions. Carrie, what is... You've seen this... This is your second time seeing it, but what's your reaction to just having seen the movie again? What do you think about it overall? It makes me question everything I know about Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> it also... Uh, it leaves like a really... Well, also, unpack the first thing. Maybe. Well, okay. Um... <laughs> I mean, it doesn't it make me question his acting ability. He's great. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But why did he do this movie? Samuel Jackson does everything. Yeah, that's true. Point. He was in Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> yeah. And rightfully so. He should have been in I that. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess for me, this movie just leaves like a really bad taste in my mouth and makes me never want to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's hope this time, too, is the last. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had to pay to rent this. I don't want to rent it ever again. Thank you I, so much for that second. I, I, I do want to point out that this is... I the, paid extra for the HD. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> it looked this great. Is, this is the fourth time we've tried to record this episode, and so I've rented it three times. Oh, <laughs> man. Plus really the sorry. time when I initially rented it and watched it, was like, oh my god, we got to do this. So... Uh, yeah. What is that, six times? Something, something like that. Oh, God. I, I have spent more money on this movie than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe ever. Well, I don't know. This movie did make its budget back. Man, it and did? some. What yeah. was the budget? $20 million. And it made? 
44 million. Damn, double. Yeah. Jesus. I wonder if it did well in other countries. (laughs) (laughs) Other countries would be baffled by this. They love it in South Africa. (laughs) (laughs) Real popular there. Uh, what was your gut reaction? Uh, I mean, I actually, this one is a lot like Rules of Engagement for me, where the first time I watched it, I was like, I did enjoy it enough where I like wanted to know how everything was going to play right. out, but at the same time, there's so much about it that is really glaringly incorrect that it corrupts any sort of message that the movie <laughs> could, could share. So it's, I don't know, it's, yeah, rewatching it again, it's... The, the enjoyment factor is greatly reduced. There's no surprise to it. And it's just, you're watching just these, like, glowering over-the-top performances, uh, battling over, like, I don't know what's unclear what is being battled. <laughs> the stakes I, are so ambiguous so in this. Obscure. I thought that Patrick Wilson... He played it pretty, pretty mellow. Yeah, his his performance was like serviceable. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Overall, the acting is kind of hard to criticize, though. It's it's more like the way the movie positions those performances right. together. So it's just people being like, ah, <laughs> the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But um, yeah, wait. Oh yeah. Um, well, I, I heard you guys talk about it a lot, so I was expecting <laughs> something abominably bad. Um, and it's not. It's not like an abominably bad movie. It's like well made. Yeah. yeah. Throughout. There's like, there's the exoskeleton of a good movie here. Like, I mean, like, like, I, you said really deliberately. <laughs> it's like, it looks like the thing, but inside there's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like shit. I don't know. What are inside exoskeletons? Um, well, it's a skeleton, so it's empty, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, okay, fine. It's empty. <laughs> Sorry, that metaphor wasn't appropriate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the performances are good. Um, it's a like, well-paced and shot movie. Yeah. yeah. But just thematically, it's so muddled and confused and offensive, yeah. mostly. <laughs> like, it's like, whoever was writing it, it's... It seemed like whoever wrote Samuel Jackson's character was like, well, he's racist against everyone, including himself. Maybe. I feel like this movie was supposed to be a character study of Samuel L. Jackson, and instead it turned into a racial parable. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, what's if was... the lesson? No, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, like, that's a terrible parable, right? <laughs> it's like, if they just would have dove into Samuel L. Jackson's character and described yeah. this man and, like, like why he is fucking insane. <laughs> and they tried to in the movie, but not really. It's, like, half-assed attempts. Well, like, yeah, yeah, they give some uh, exposition about why he hates Chris and Lisa. Right. It's because his wife was probably cheating on him with his her white boss. Right. Okay. Maybe? Maybe. Maybe. But he got his, because he got a... Uh, what Steering it? column through the chest. Yeah. <laughs> but so did his wife. They both died. Yeah. Right. It's so he's just got kind of some beef to... He's got beef. To work out. But he start And the movie starts with him. Are the of the three oh, protagonists, yeah. mm-hmm. Patrick Wilson is the last one introduced. We see we see him wake up. We see him pray. He talks to his kids and everything. It does everything to frame the action from his point of view. So it does seem like they want to humanize him, mm-hmm. and and then just like as the movie plays out, he like I, I think it's just because based on what he does in this movie, if 
it started from Patrick Wilson's point of view, he would just be the boogeyman. Right. He'd be this guy who right. shows up as like uh, threatens him, and I have a gun, I have the police, I can just torture you, and you'd be like, you. He would just be a a monster. And if this movie. This movie clearly wants to think it has an enlightening point on race, and you can't have that enlightening point on race when your villain is like an evil black man next right. door. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's uh. Well, let's let's talk about Samuel Jackson and his character yeah, and his performance yeah. because Abel I, Turner. Yeah, Abel Turner. A, a big thing that like I feel like a big thing that really makes this movie better than it should be is that. I, for me, I think Samuel Jackson gives a really, really great performance, especially because of, like we said, how easily his character would just be a total monster. Right. And I, I was trying to think about what exactly it is that is good about his performance. It seems like he, he's hitting a middle ground between the, the ranges that his scenes are supposed to do. He He's either doing like a fake, fake niceties or he's yelling at Chris and threatening him, mm. but he finds the exact sort of emotion where he can do both of those things he's just doing a slight variation of a core emotion and so it never seems like hyperbolic extremes it seems like he studied intimidation tactics before he took this role yeah well and and i started noticing more that he drops references to himself being a conservative a lot during the movie like mm-hmm. he has he has lines where he's like chris here is a liberal yeah, he's or a democrat stuff like that. <laughs> yeah and um and it did make me think of like some of the ways he talks to people are very specifically conservative styles of arguing or at least like the christian people i knew growing up uh i think of the scene well i mean and this might also be colored by the fact like i said he says he's conservative the first shot of him is him praying in the mm-hmm, movie. Right. And there's the scene, uh, uh, the scene that really clicked that for me was when, um, he, uh, when Abel confronts Chris about Chris and Lisa having sex in the pool, which didn't even look like they were really having sex. It like, like canoodling. Making out a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. But he like confronts him about it and he calls it your bedroom scene and, uh, and your synchronized swimming routine, which is exactly the colorful way that a conservative would phrase right, something. Right, they would never outright say yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. They, they wouldn't be like, I saw you fucking last day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, never. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it just so, and so many of those, like, like that passive aggression that, like, like what people refer to as, like, southern politeness, where mm-hmm. they, they say, like, instead of saying, fuck you, they say, bless your heart yeah. type of thing. And it's like, his performance is so loaded with that. I really like that specificity to his hatefulness. It seemed like it's like a real person's hatefulness instead of just a monster's. I thought that's what it worked for me. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think the, that on the complete other end is Carrie Washington yeah. and her performance. If you could even call it a performance. <laughs> banal. <laughs> she just she sputters banalities. For yeah. yeah. It seemed like she... Uh, everything about her role was so frustrating for me, just watching her, because she plays the kind of female character that I never want to see depicted in a movie. Yeah. You know, well, like, you're my husband, just do what I want. Yeah. Or, why aren't you happy for me that I got surprise pregnant? Yeah. We've got to talk about that scene for sure. Yeah, that's but it. I do want to mention, because we looked this up right before, Roger Ebert, in his four-star review what? of this movie, oh, Roger Jesus. Ebert referred to Kerry Washington's character as the moral high ground character in this movie. And just 
is, is being the moral high ground uh, just being like totally uh, uh, like being tribalist essentially? Like that's the weirdly <laughs> no. racist position this movie creates where black people are like, well, he's black, so I trust him over you, whitey. <laughs> There's like so many of those situations. It's like every, it's so crazy that it's like as unnuanced as that. Like, yeah. there's no reason for Lisa to trust Abel over her husband. Yeah. Uh, but she does every time, no matter what. Just because her husband, at worst, yeah, is there's just... Yeah, a, there's a point where, she, the, where Patrick Wilson, her husband goes on a walk with Samuel Jackson and they're walking through the neighborhood and then they come back and Patrick Wilson's like, honey, I don't trust him. He seems wackadoo or whatever he says. Wackadoo. <laughs> <laughs> and her, she's like, well, you don't know him. You don't know him. You don't know if he's crazy or not. You, you need to, to back off. And he even right. says, I right. know him better than you. Right. Which, I yeah. met him and spoke to the man. <laughs> But she's just like, well, husband, I don't right. believe Well, you. white husband, you can't understand, yeah. like, yeah. our black next door neighbor. <laughs> Which was fine, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's true. But yeah. uh, the movie just doesn't, like, prop up any kind of nuanced, like, understanding of white privilege. Yeah. Or what this black man would think about. The closest they get to it is that scene where Lisa's talking with Abel's daughter and <laughs> it's another terrible tone to scene where uh, she's like, well, there's, you know how when, when white boys, uh, or when white girls date a black guy, all the black guys are like, yeah, good work. But when a white guy wants to date a black girl, it's different. And so how much should I like this guy if I'm going to do it? Just that, Weird, that's like the most uh, credence they give to right. like actually thinking about it. Right. And it's a really superficial, <laughs> terrible way of thinking about it in that scene. I don't know, that's, yeah. Yeah, there, the, I think if this movie was going to work, which I think it could have, I think this idea for this movie could have worked. But the problem was that Patrick Wilson and Kerry Washington's relationship that was written didn't make it seem like they were actually in a relationship. It's so fucked, yeah. Yeah, it's like a really messed up marriage. <laughs> like, yeah, if they were actually married, they would probably be getting a divorce pretty soon. Like, immediately. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and this is really a big part of why I wanted to talk about this movie, is this relationship, because we watched a bunch of Neil LaBute movies over the past year, and Neil LaBute has been accused of this and I feel it's very fair that he's accused of misogyny. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, if a... you go to his IMDb page under trademarks, it says misogynists <laughs> and damsels in distress. Yes. Uh, what and, are the, what are, sorry, what other movies has he done? He did In the Company of Men. Which, which In the Company of Men is at least trying to make the men evil. But it's about two men who essentially are like, hey. Fighting over a woman. Well, they're like, we've been screwed over by women. Let's just find a woman and uh, fuck up her emotions to get revenge. <laughs> and so it's like really, yeah. it's a depiction of like really ugly, ugly masculinity. And it's actually, it's really good. But then after that, it takes this weird, it's, it starts moving towards uh, these attitudes of, well, men are like that, but women put them in these situations. Mm. Like the shape of things. Um, it's not their fault. Right. The, sh the shape of things uh, the, there's this, it's this four person play, um, and they made it into a movie, but in the core of it is that Paul Rudd plays this like really schlubby 
guy and this beautiful woman, Rachel Weiss. Paul Rudd? Paul Rudd and Rachel Weiss are the leads in it. And, um, in what? The Shape of Things. Oh, I'm Where's sorry. I thought we were still watching, <laughs> talking about In the Company of Men. I was no. looking up. But um, uh, in The Shape of Things, Paul Rudd is the schlubby guy who has friends, but he doesn't really have any relationship prospects. And then Rachel Weiss is this goofy arts uh, student. She's a manic pixie girl. Type of thing, yeah. And she's like, let's be in a relationship, but I think you need to change these things about yourself so you look better. And uh, he ends up just like getting more attractive and uh, ending up in a relationship with his female friend mm -hmm. and like cheating on, and she's cheating on her boyfriend with him and then in the end of the movie the big twist is that everything that's happened with Paul Rudd where he's like gotten more attractive and gotten more confident and become this like bad person because of the confidence he's gotten with his relationship with Rachel Weiss, it's all been an art project Rachel Weiss has been doing. <laughs> and she reveals all this to him at like her graduation where she does like her presents her art project and he was like going to propose to her and she's like, I have been manipulating him to show how men are scum and everything <laughs> like this. And it's like, it's crazy. It's like really oh. crazy. But it's like, that's like how he deals with all right, men and women. Deal with you. <laughs> movie. It's like something like this. And we watch the Wicker Men clips where, uh, Nicholas Cage just, just punching, punching women in the face, kicking women, <laughs> and, uh, in or out of. He suit. also he also directed and wrote Possession. Possession. I haven't seen Possession, so I can't vouch yeah, for I that can't one. Yeah, I can't talk too much about that one. Uh, and Nurse Betty, uh, which he didn't write. That's Betty for Nate Selvig. Yeah, right? that one has other problems, but it's it's less having to do with what he wrote. But yeah, uh, in this, he has these things that that he's done in his career that have earned him kind of a reputation for being terrible with women and Carrie Washington is the pretty much the only prominent female character oh, I mean she is the only female yeah character. yeah there's other people who pop up but she's the only one who we actually get to know as an audience seems to have a name um and yeah. she's terrible <laughs> she she has no she's not developed everything that she does everything that she contributes to the plot is either refusing to support her husband when anybody else in that situation <laughs> right. would. Right. It's not even just that we're like, we are just making judgments on her. It doesn't make sense for her to not, to not take his side. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. uh, she, the, the dynamics of their marriage. Yeah. Um, well, even like the very, I wrote down the very beginning when, um, the, it's like the very first morning they're at their house and he comes down he's getting, he's like putting on his shirt for work and he's like, Oh, you took over that room. And she's like, yeah, I'm here all day, so this is my room, okay? And does it with like this really condescending thing? It's like they're they are married. <laughs> they just bought a house. They can together. talk about that yeah. before like rooms are claimed. Or even if well, she you claimed don't have it, to be, you don't have to be a jerk about yeah, it. Yeah, if your husbands and wives, I'm sure, claim things all the time. They'd be like, "Oh, I really want this room. Like, I'm, I, it works so good. Like, couldn't you just try to like be like, I'm right. See, see how right? Instead of being like, I'm right. Let's just shut." Shut up and accept my answer, which she does a bunch during this movie. I wonder if Neil LeBute is married. There's so many different variables to it, but there's a lot of, like, uh, shame for him relating to women. Or there's a lot of, like, things that where he's like, well, if I'm with a, women, a woman, I have to be different. Or there has to be a facade. Or there's something that she's not telling me. Uh, he doesn't trust women. Yeah. He yeah, doesn't trust women, or he sees women as untrustworthy. The secret enemy. He sees men as untrustworthy, and therefore, because men are lying all the time, women have to be lying in the same ways. 
Well, I uh, I looked him up on IMDb and um, I found a quote from him, and it the quote is, "Sometimes I think it's hard for an audience to know when to laugh." <laughs> so I have to, like telegraph it for him. Like, yeah, what, is, so, what does that mean? And well, and I've watched a ton of his movies, and I would say that there's never really a moment that's supposed to be funny. Yeah. If Isn't anything, it's, I mean, this movie was humorless. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. yeah. I mean, we laughed a few times just because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> well, and I don't think Wicker Man is supposed to be funny. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> And In the Company of Men is definitely not supposed to be But In the Company of Men was advertised as a comedy. Like, if you, even if you read reviews of it from the era or, like, things about it, they, even the trailer refers to it as a comedy. And it is, it's like a Michael Haneke movie. It's how unsettling it is. Like, alright. Anyway, Neil LaFute, misogynist. But the, okay, so the relationship between Carrie Washington, and do we even know her character's name? Lisa. Lisa, Lisa sorry. There's yeah, right, we got one it. time where they a said couple, yeah. There's a few yes. times her name. But we don't know what she does yeah. as a yeah. child. She even makes, though like, she dolls? works from home. Well, what? and they have that scene where they're by the pool, and she says, I, I, I hate, hate my, my job. job. I'm not I, even getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> what is she doing <laughs> where she's doing a job and she doesn't get paid? <laughs> and then he's like, well, you should quit. She's gonna quit the job that she is not getting paid for. Right, it's like unclear if she's like just like dilly dallying with like those I've, dolls. There must have been the some screen. back scenes that they just cut Maybe. out. Maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, they were like, "Well, she already sucks as a character." Because so they, fuck it. they established multiple <laughs> times that Chris works for a grocery store chain called Good. Good. Oh, really? It yeah, was called Good. Good? <laughs> I miss that. Oh. <laughs> I mean that doesn't add anything to that. <laughs> so like so yeah, Carrie Washington's character is like really just flat and undeveloped and she doesn't have like any real motivation that's explored in any kind of detail. Mm-hmm. But their relationship, Chris and Lisa's, it seems like they're married and like they know nothing about each other. <laughs> yeah. And like do not speak about any issue that would be important to developing yeah. a relationship. Well, at, at one point... Well, they... Oh, go ahead. Just, I was thinking, like, a perfect example of that is um, Abel has lights that he shines on on their house every night, and they ask him to turn them off, and he won't. So, at one point, it shows Chris is setting up lights, and Lisa walks up to him, and he's, like, screwing the lights into the wall. Like, they're, he's halfway through installing them, and she's like, oh, so you're gonna... You're gonna put lights up, huh? You think that's the best idea? They never talked about it. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> just did. <laughs> and even then, she's like, "All right, well, whatever. This doesn't involve me at all. <laughs> Let me know if you need help." Like, <sighs> yeah, they, the main problem with their marriage is they aren't a team. Yeah, right. That's what marriage is supposed to be. It's <laughs> supposed to be a team. You do things together. You fight adversity together. And if your adversity is your neighbor. Then fight <laughs> your neighbor together. Well. Well, I mean, like the most egregious thing is like, I mean, I don't know. Is it clear in the movie that she intentionally? Yeah, so she intentionally stops taking her birth control. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, no. biased, I'm biased. I'm biased against Neil There's no moment where they flat out say it, or she's like, "Yes, that's what happened." But it's Neil LeBute. I'm going to assume that's what <laughs> that's she this, this well, female character did yeah. this. They are in the house. It's the first night that they're sleeping there. And she says, you know, this house has three, three bedrooms. bedrooms. Yeah. How are we going to fill all these bedrooms? We can't have four offices. 
Why didn't they talk about this before they bought the house? Yeah. Right, like, it's like, oh, let's buy this huge fucking house. We're not intending to, like, have a family. Like, well, but even Patrick Wilson says during the conversation, we talked about this. <laughs> so she's just like, you know, I'm going to play ignorance. I know we talked about it, but I want a kid. And this is really a team where I'm the only team member. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, so if it isn't clear, listeners, uh, Carrie Washington's character... Wants a baby, intentionally stops taking her birth control pills to get yep. pregnant, without telling her husband yeah. that she's doing this. Thing. But it's it's somewhat unclear whether she did it intentionally <laughs> or not. But she she did. It's pretty likely. It's uh, it's, uh, it's yeah. clear enough. Yeah, clear <laughs> like enough. there's not that much ambiguity yeah. about it. There's I, I just I just saw this line go through my notes, but it's it's something Abel said. No, it's something Abel's daughter says, but it's like a thesis statement for everybody except uh, Patrick Wilson's character. But the um, they're talking. The daughter of Abel is talking to Lisa at one point, and Lisa's saying like, "Why don't you just talk to your dad?" And the daughter says, "The more you argue, the more he's like, uh, excuse me, I am the law." And that's how everybody has in this movie, where yeah. they're like, like, Patrick Wilson's like, please listen to me. I'm uh-uh. I mean, terrorized. No. Wait, what did you say the alternate title is? Oh, yeah. The alternate title of this movie should be Everybody Hates Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I wrote, I started writing down at one point, I wrote down, uh, Lisa's dad hates Chris, and then black people hate Chris, and then Lisa hates Chris. Like, who, everybody's at Chris this whole movie. And it's, I totally would have gotten it if they had made Chris shitty ha- in some way. Yeah. Basically like yeah. a decent guy. Yeah, he's mostly. Yeah. His only problem was that he like was like secretly smoking and he was like really insistent on dealing with Abel himself. Which is like a machismo thing. Yeah, a machismo so thing. Yeah. But it's like that's not enough for you. Yeah, like, to like everybody <laughs> just <laughs> treat him like crap on you. And even like uh, Lisa's dad like won't look at him during conversations and yeah, stuff. It's like insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're married so he knows that Chris is a part of their Lisa's well, that's life. yeah. Let's can we, let's can we go back to like the whole get a baby. Like I need to have a baby. Yeah, like, let's really go. Into so this. like, oh, I hate this. It's I like hate stupid. it. It's really bad. I hate in any movie where a woman's like, I need us to have a baby. So I need. I want to talk about that because it seems like them having a baby is like essential <laughs> to their relationship. Yeah. Like continuing and like to work, you know. Yeah. And like, and it seems like it's not only essential to Lisa; it's also essential to her family. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wrote that down. She says, "Good." She says, "I've been thinking about it, and there really is no good reason for us to wait. (laughs) No good." Uh, And then she says, "Our families would really benefit from us having a child." What does that mean? I can't think of a single benefit that would come to my family if I had a child. <laughs> it's like, it's like, like, I, I can understand it. It's like, you know, I have an older brother who is married now, and he gets bothered by my parents and my grandparents and his wife's parents and their grandparents about <laughs> having children, right? Yeah. Like, all yeah. the fucking time. Yeah. Right? And that's like... That kind of bothering never really rises to anything like really aggressive or like existential, right? Sure. It's just like, mm, when are you gonna have kids? Ah. Yeah, it's more of a curiosity thing right. than a right. than a necessary life uh, occurrence. Right. By contrast, 
Lisa's father in this movie, like, treats, like, them having a child as, like, this grave, important, like, thing that needs to happen. And the fact that they're not doing that is, like, they're, like, shaming. Like, there's, like, she's, like, like bespotted the yeah. family. Why well, like, I, I think know. he even phrases it, you are going to have children with my daughter, aren't you? It's like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, we're planning it. If like, my why dad, is it important? Yeah, if my dad said that to Paula, I'd be like, don't answer that. Oh, don't gross, answer that. Yeah. Well, and back, tying again back to uh, Neil LeBute being a, a possible misogynist. Uh, there's possible? Possible. Uh, give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to be like... All right, fair enough. He's a fucking evil man. <laughs> I mean, but, like the movie, the evidence is very incriminating. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's... I, I'm, a, I'm a user of the internet. I frequent the internet. Oh, really? And there's... Oh, the net, say. I, I, and I tend to go to the horrible parts of it. And... <laughs> The whole M- MRA men's right uh, men's right activists on the internet they have a, a common talking point that comes up called sperm jacking, which is when a oh woman a woman essentially tricks a man into a relationship oh with her God. so she he can impregnate sperm jacking. Sperm jacking. Oh. So they talk about it like it's like a prevalent scourge yeah, of like our nation. Women just <laughs> only want men. So that they can trick them into impregnating them, and then the woman has the baby she wants, and then she can divorce the man, get his money, and that's like, that's kind of the sperm jacking idea. And it doesn't go all the way to divorcing for the money thing in this movie, but it's enough of it where it's, like, I can't just ignore it. I can't pretend like they didn't have her try to steal his seed so that she could get pregnant. <laughs> like it's, it's literally what happens. <laughs> like, it's but uh, the motive, yeah. It's like the whole, like, ominous children doll thing, yeah. like, in the movie. Like, I, I mean, maybe you could read, maybe that's what's happening. Yeah. I don't know. Sperm Jack? Yeah, Sperm Jack. I'm still really <laughs> it's from gross. learning about yeah. this. Yeah, no, it's... it's, it's sperm jacking. I mean, Wait, like, can Chris... Give, can you give me an example of when this has happened in a movie? No, it, I mean... <gasps> Three, it's please. a made-up thing, like, that men's rights act. Is yeah, that's the point of it, is that it's no no real woman has ever... I mean, I'm sure there's, like, Maybe one, one schizophrenic criminal who did it. Maybe <laughs> once. Like, it's not a real thing. It's not a trend. It's yeah. not something that men have to live in fear of. But there's a name for it. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the baffling right. part. And they've labeled this It's, it's the internet, yeah. Oh, internet. Yeah. Thanks, internet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Get internet. out of the deep end, Paula. <laughs> I'm going to drown there. <laughs> you are going to drown there. <laughs> uh, maybe we could talk about... We haven't talked about Samuel Jackson enough. Yeah, we haven't talked more about... Uh, I worked out a lot of the crazy... Uh, shit that he says this movie. Like, when he's talking to Patrick Wilson, like, when Patrick Wilson... Is, comes home every time they show Patrick Wilson driving this movie. He's listening to like hip hop, like hilariously <laughs> black hip hop, yeah, like very black. Like hip-hop. they could, they yeah. couldn't just have him be like like listening to music and it happens to be hip hop, like a natural. Like they always make sure it's super basic. Yeah, he's like super thumping. Sh- it's always rap. like but he's never singing along. Never singing no. along. Never like into it. He's just like nervously smoking or like candle fidgeting in the car. And um, Samuel Jackson says like. Sees him smoking a cigarette, and listening to the music. He says, "You got your mad beats here and your blunts," and it's just like <laughs> stereotyping him in this like weird way. Um, and there's the oh, there's the other line where he's talking to the the fat white criminal, or there's a there's a fat white criminal that seems to be an informant for him, right. and he's talking to him at one point, 
And he says this line, and we're not really given context for it, but he said he holds like a PK forty baton to this guy's throat and says, "Just because they don't scream when you use them doesn't mean they're not little." And uh, he's all like saying that in reference to like like girl like underage prostitutes. Girl prostitutes, yeah. yeah. Like uh, and another one is like when he says, "You got some Irish in you." Black Irish, where it's like every line he like turns it to be like a commentary about race or right, like right, a commentary right. about who you are as a person. Yeah. He has like racism. It's not racism when he's talking to his kids, but it has like the same sorts of rules of how he deals with them and how he shames them and how it's like everything is my rule and you submit to my rule. But when I'm a cop, I don't do this. He even has that speech with to Chris where he's like, yeah, but that's why I'm a cop. When I'm at home, I like, he, I, he doesn't say it, but he's saying, like, essentially, when, I I'm, do whatever I when I'm not a cop, I like my neighborhood segregated. I don't like interracial couples in my neighborhood. Right. The right. implication of that stuff. And it's just, I get that there are people like that. It is, like, uh, there are realistic elements to it. It's just the way in which his personality is built entirely out of those blocks. Right, there's, like, this this rigidity yeah. that's, like, it, like inherent in all of his actions and yeah. all, like, the stuff he says at his kids and to Chris and to Lisa and whatever. And, like, the movie, like, the movie pins that, like, somewhat on his, like, very, like, like you mentioned tangentially on his, like, maybe his conservative religiosity. Yeah. Right? Like, you're supposed to... Combine with his one bad, his thing with his wife Well, dying. but, I, I pointed this out when we were watching the movie, but at one point he takes Patrick Wilson on a little walking tour of their cul-de-sac or terrace, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, that neighbor is probably a drug dealer and that one beats his wife and that one doesn't pay his taxes and, you know, he keeps et cetera, like, et listing off yeah, all yeah. these things. But then he ends by saying, like, but you, you're dating a black woman. I hate right, you the I, most. I can't, like, stand that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, beating your wife is perfectly fine. Drug yeah. deals, whatever. He doesn't draw the line at any of that. He's just like, no, you can't can't date a black woman. Yeah. yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, you're right. I think that's the, the main issue with this character is they they tie his, his need to tie everything back to race too much into his character. Right. Sounds like they tie it like this. This character could potentially happen, right? Like Paula, yeah. you said oh, that this yeah. this was actually based off an incident yeah, in it, Los yeah. Angeles, yeah. right? Where this, yeah, this, this black guy. cop is terrorizing this interracial couple. Mm-hmm. Do you have it written down? Yeah, yeah so. I I looked up the um, the court records and Ooh, some snooping. <laughs> and um, it was um, Henry versus Hamilton. Hamilton is the neighbor, and then Henry is the cop. And he actually got fired from the LAPD after this happened. And he tried to also represent himself in court. So he was kind of an idiot all, all over the place. But he did things like he would blow his leaves onto his neighbor's yard. Okay. And then when they would pick it up, he would like use his hose and soak them with water. He would, he would uh, harass their kids because they had kids. Um, he would throw cigarette butts in their yard, he would hit their house with eggs, 
he hit their car with his trash can, God. and he would use his police status to get information about them and then use it against them. And <laughs> yeah, he was really crazy. Yeah, so, I mean, right. Samuel L. Jackson's pretty crazy in this sense. He, really, he does... He, he does, hires a thug to, like, break into their house yeah, and, and, and like, tries like, to murder them when they find out. Find out. And he slashes their tires and cuts their air conditioning and that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, so, apples and oranges. Yeah, right. and I guess it's kind of comparable, but yeah, that guy's in jail. Frankly <laughs> <laughs> <Rightfully> so. <laughs> well, one thing I thought of, because I, I, I'm not as familiar with this, so hopefully you could explain it better, but I thought of the comparison uh, to having, doing this type of subject matter where you have a black, conservative, racist police officer and... It made me think of how on Scandal they had that feminist rapist character oh. as like the way of like approaching something that is worth approaching and then burying it in other layers and confusing the issue that much. Oh my right. gosh, that episode made me so angry. <laughs> but oh, I actually was talking about that last night. Yeah, how that, angry that made me. Right. Well, can you like so? Elaborate? There's a scandal episode from this last year where the main character, who is Carrie Washington, she is approached by a woman and says, "I was raped by this man. Will you help me um, accuse him of, okay. of rape?" Well, come to find out that the guy who raped her is this renowned, internationally known feminist. Okay. And he's a writer, and he has established scholarships throughout the world for women so that they can have access to education and books and... Et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, they're doing a Bill Cosby parallel. So they... Once... Once Carrie Washington takes on this case, she finds, like, 20 other women who also uh, will, you know, come forward and say that this guy raped her. And in the episode, you find out that the wife of the guy knew that he was raping all of these women. And it's like, okay, what is Scandal trying to say about this situation? Are they trying to say... That feminists also rape people? It's really possible. <laughs> Which is true, yeah, but like, like, why would they make that point? What is the purpose of of making that point? And, and I mean, it's it's not that I don't think that people who rape shouldn't be punished, because they definitely <laughs> yes. should, but it's just, why would they go out of their way to make the character a, a feminist, or like a world-renowned feminist? It's just, like, confusing the issue, you know? It doesn't... Uh, it doesn't illuminate the issue yeah. at all. It just, like, obfuscates it yeah. further, yeah. like... Well, and another thing, just thinking about that, too, is that Spike Lee movies, most of them are not perfect, but Spike Lee is very good at touching on the idea of that, like, black people can be racist, too. It's, it's do the right thing has an amazing segment. Everybody well, can maybe be not racist, racist, but prejudice. Prejudice, racist, like, yeah. white people, you know, people. Oh, yeah. Yes. But, so, like, right? think you know of the scene I mean? in yeah, Do yeah. the Right Thing where they show, like, every character say something hateful about another character. They show the, the Asian grocer, grocers and the guys on the sidewalk, and then Samuel Jackson, ironically, comes in and says, Stop it, everybody! Stop it! And he yells <laughs> everybody. But that's, like, a good example of, like, he can blend it in there, and it's not trying to be like, oh, yeah, everyone's equally racist, but no. everyone has their prejudices, and some people because they have more power, their prejudices have gotten stronger and more uh, institutionalized. Right. Whereas this, um, 
by doing it where it's like the real monster is the black guy, his racism is wrong. That's like what the movie Crash does, where it tries to be like, oh, it tries oh. to like make every prejudice equal, and so it is like because it just plays out in this like dreamlike world where things are just like are so simplistic and. God, like, yeah, you don't need to put this many concepts on this idea if you don't, uh, if you aren't smart enough right. about it, don't touch it. Right. It's like, well, it's Crash like, is its own mess. Yeah, let's not talk about Crash. Yeah. Please. We can't go down that road. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's fine. You know, like, you can make a movie where Samuel Jackson is this weird, conservative, prejudiced guy. Yeah. yeah. But, like, Get in his head more. Yeah. Get yeah. in his headspace more and let us like swim around in it. Understand him as like a human being. Yeah. He's like damaged, maybe, and like violent and kind of terrible, but still yeah. like a human. You know, yeah. like that's a, a valuable thing that the movie could have done, but it, it does not. Yeah, it, no. it ends the movie with him being gunned down by gunned police. Gunned down by police. <laughs> like, what, what a satisfying ending. Oh, for the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, and there's a helicopter spotlight even on him. Yeah, and and there's and the city is burning around him. Like, what? <laughs> what the fuck is the metaphor that the wildfire the is fire, like a race war? I don't know what <laughs> the like, fire that burns within all of us will overtake us. Yeah, the movie is trying to be a parable, and it fails. Yeah, because it has n- parables by default have a lesson, and there's no lesson. Because you, when you when you think about a parable and it's like, and that, and then the lesson of the parable is this. You know, treat yeah. everyone this way you want to be treated. Yeah. Oh. In this movie, it's like, don't move into a neighborhood where you don't know your neighbors, I guess. <laughs> lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, and, but, and like, if, even just like, to think about that more, if you were to just do that anyway, if you were, if the movie's point was like, don't be the aggressor, then they would have just shown up and just been terrorized by him and he would have had the upper hand and Maybe they would have left or, or he I, would have come, like, come around a seat or would he just always like they, they don't give you enough to be like man if it just would have if they just would have talked it seems like they would have been terrorized by Abel no matter what right yeah, yeah. oh yeah and I'm wondering, maybe, and this is me giving the film a lot of credit but maybe the parable is violence isn't the answer well <laughs> <laughs> duh <laughs> hints at some kind of like a, a wider psychological trajectory for Abel yeah. than we're actually uh-huh. delivered because like we start like you said the movie starts with Abel and like he's kind of set up as the protagonist or like of the movie at least to a certain degree yeah. yeah and then by the end of the movie we're we entirely switched in the audience perspective is with Patrick Wilson yeah right? It's like, it seems like, and I mean, he gets like crazier and crazier as the movie <laughs> yeah. goes on. It's like, it's like, there's, it, there seems to be some bigger inner turmoil. Yeah, happening. and that's, that's why I think that there were, there must have been a lot of things cut out of this film because what you were saying, Wade, about how it, you know, put us in Abel's mind more. I think that's why in the movie they show those scenes of him being a cop and doing cop things. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, oh, look at him while he's on the job. Like, get to know what he's like when he's being a cop. But it doesn't but give us different aspects. It's yeah. reinforce is like a fucked up crazy man exactly. aspect that we already know. Yeah, they they, ta- they failed to take that opportunity as, you know, a chance for them to, to explore, okay, well, this is how he behaves at home, but this is why he behaves that way. Because when he's at work, he has to deal with X, Y, and Z. Right, you know? right. 
But it doesn't do that. Yeah. Nope. Instead, it gives us like a half-assed origin story for his animosity, which is his wife dying. Yeah. Right. And the movie doesn't illuminate anything. Uh, and the two and the two criminal things that we well the two police actions that we see him do is when he meets with his white informant who he later murders <laughs> and uh, he meets <laughs> with uh, uh, he, he like chases down a black suspect who he beats up. And so it's not like I like I, I could see a version of it where we see him pull over a, like a rich white person, and the rich white person basically just gets to walk all over him, and he's just like very respectful, but like gritting his teeth through it, and then he takes out that on his neighbor or something like that. That would at least make more sense, right. and it wouldn't yeah. be like justifying, but it would at least be trying to like say like he's. He's dealing with, he's like, he's not dealing with it right, but he's dealing with some sort of external social situation tied into something other than just, he's, uh, he's just like a crazy person. But also even with the guy that he beats up, the guy who tries to shoot him and he beats up and ends up getting kicked off the job. Damien. Damien. Yeah, Damien, Damien, uh, he... It doesn't, like, what What exactly do you think the movie wants us to learn about that that isn't already shown from him being cruel to the, the white guy? Well, I think the only reason we are shown that is so that they can kick him off the force for a while. See, like, I think it's it, part of the reason is that it wants to show that he there's a precedence of violence yeah, okay. in, his, mm-hmm. in his life and in his actions or whatever. Yeah. And also, I think... It feels like him getting kicked off the force was supposed to be like a catalyst to, to escalate yeah. his actions against Chris and Lisa. Yeah. But it, it the movie doesn't give us that. No. Yeah. It most it does kind of lead to that. I, I do think this scene is the type of thing that there needed to be more of, but that moment where he comes out of essentially being put on disciplinary leave and the guy all the cops are talking and he <clears throat> assumes first off that they are getting quiet because they said a racial joke about right. black people and like, are there like other black cops yeah, yeah. too like, and they're like no it's he has a party but even still they're like because presume the presumption because he's conservative and he's this really serious guy we see him being very serious about like wh- how women dress and mm-hmm. things like that before and they're like we just assumed that you wouldn't want to hear about this and then he's like no i yeah i'm into it yeah do it at my house and like this thing where you can tell he's like he's not being honest in that moment he has that like like look behind his eyes even though he's smiling at them he's like i this is a situation that i need to take control of but then then they turn into like Oh, this was like a plan to get revenge on Chris. And it's Somehow. like, no, no, come on, just leave it at that first level, and then don't turn it in everything into like a conspiracy that he's organizing. <laughs> yeah. Just let him be this like fucked up guy who sometimes tries to make people like him, right. but other people he doesn't. Li- and that everything right. is this attack against this one white guy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it would have been way more believable, yeah. and entertaining as a movie. I'm trying to think of other movies where there's this unit or couple and there's this other person and then the other person basically tries to destroy the couple's lives. You, me, and Dupree. Well, well the, first one, devil? The, first, <laughs> the first one I was thinking of was The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Yeah. And that movie is great. It does a great job of, of building atmosphere and establishing the characters and their marriage yeah. <laughs> before they bring in this woman and she 
you think she's normal and then she's absolutely bonkers. I haven't seen the Oh, Cradle. it's great. It's it's kind of like single white female, but it's more like explicitly feminine than single white female. Like there's a, an element of hand that rocks the cradle is it this nanny who wants to take over the wife's role starts secretly breastfeeding the baby so that it won't breastfeed with the mother. Like something like that. Yeah. I was like, whoa, like really, really messed up. But yeah, it does. It also does the work of like the husband and wife have like a believable relationship, okay. and the way that the nanny tries to usurp that position is by making herself more useful and putting the wife in situations where she appears to be unable to serve the role and not like being like openly evil and antagonistic <laughs> all the yeah. time in every action. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know, you can maybe compare this movie to, this isn't very clean, but <laughs> Rosemary's Baby a little bit. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I can't, like, be fully... So it's not a unit, the unit... So the in unit, that one, there's... John Cassavetes in that is like Carrie Washington in this, and he doesn't give a shit about <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, right, yeah. right, that's what, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, way, Abel yeah. is the, Abel's the, the satanic cult. Yeah, the devil. Yeah. Literally, yeah. Yeah, and that in Rosemary's Baby, there's more than one villain because there it's like right. a it's community like a conspiracy of, of, of people, people against her yeah. yeah yeah but in that way where john cassavetes is <laughs> like the most passive husband in the world yeah. he's just like oh you're not feeling good and you're pregnant with our baby you'll get over it I gotta go to don't work worry soon. about it <laughs> it's probably just morning sickness yeah. that movie's terrifying <laughs> i did i did not find it scary at all I think it's like it's very unset. I don't know. Anyway, we can talk about Rosemary's Baby at the time. Uh, but aside from, aside from like the terrible just plotting and thematic concerns of the movie, it's overall like a pretty well made yeah. film. It's not like Man of the Year where we're just sitting for two hours just begging for the sweet release <laughs> of Black John Moore. <laughs> yeah. You're um, just like, oh man! You can see the good movie in it, uh, even if right. it's even if there is there. It's not the camera work is very good throughout. Like it, everything's very clear. You know exactly where everything is. Yeah, and, like Neil Butte, you can see his stage experience in that he knows how to block a scene. Mm. He, like scene, there's <clears throat> we talked. We had a few movies here where there's like massive continuity problems where you can't tell where things are set, and there's very clear cut geographical boundaries. I mean, it's granted, it's, it's limited, but you know where everything is. You understand the house layouts. Um, their neighborhood is a closed location. He does a lot with it, and he knows where to place. Like, all the shots were, <laughs> they're hilarious, but all the shots are able is on his porch glaring yeah, like at them leering <laughs> into their backyard they're very they're, it's it's a good it's a good shot and anytime they use the pool i feel like the pool is always very well sh placed in the shot and used for good effect mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it, it never there's also never many moments where you're like wow what a great scene yeah like, no it's not dazzling yeah. or anything yeah. no and i wish that he had used patrick wilson a little better yeah his pa his performance was Pretty bland. Yeah, Patrick Wilson is... He is kind of vanilla, I mean, he's though. a vanilla guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was introduced to Patrick Wilson because he's Raul in Phantom of the Opera. Well, I was introduced to him through Hard Candy, where he's... Oh, oh yeah. yeah! He's great That's like the candy. only time he doesn't play the Patrick Wilson role. 
role. <laughs> Which is, like, yeah. boring schlub. Yeah. <laughs> Even, like, Watchmen, he's basically the well, magical he's good in Little Children. Oh, but he's, he is basically the same person yeah. he is in, uh, in this, except he's, like, he fits the theme of, like, Little Children. Little Children is, I mean... I don't know. I could. That's one my third favorite movie of all time. I could go on forever about. Really, it. you like Little Children? I a lot? love that movie, but it would. I would take a whole episode for me to Explain get into that. It's yeah. It. It's it's. There's a lot. There's Do a lot. either of you guys have anything uh, else to say about this movie? I can't believe. I will say this. I can't believe that of all the movies we've watched, this is the movie we've had the least to talk about. Probably. Well, Married to the Mob was probably the one we had the true least. Yeah, yeah. but it's I loved that movie. That, that yeah, movie's yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed that movie a lot. Yeah. So and there's nothing really controversial going on. Yeah. No. So we can't have every episode be a controversial movie because then that really reflects poorly on us and our ability to discuss <laughs> film intelligently. Probably. <laughs> but uh, we still had to do our teachable moment and I'm sorry, ah, I know it's shit. been months. I so never, I'll go first. I never prepared for this I'll go part. first. Well, like, I, because I, I harped on it so much at the beginning, uh, my teachable moment is that Samuel L. Jackson is a really great actor sometimes, and this is a really Most great... Times Most times. Most times. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot of, like, he's in that weird Finnish movie where he's the president this year, and I we can't <laughs> vouch for that one. I, we gotta watch that movie. Oh, and he yeah. was in The Kingsman. Yeah, he was in, he's, he's a lisping bad guy in Kingsman. Oh, I've uh, not seen like that. Good, don't see it. But, bad. I don't want to... I don't want to talk about it. All right, anyway, sorry. It ends It ends on the worst note any movie has ever ended on. That's, you're pretty <laughs> safe to say that. <laughs> but, Dear um, audience, if you want to watch a movie that ends terribly, The Kingsman Secret Service Watch Nighttime British show. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's, terrible. it's terrible. Don't watch it. All right, but Samuel L. Jackson in this movie gives a really great performance with material that would be easy to fuck up. He could very easily be over the top. He could very easily give a bipolar performance where he's just all niceties and then all crazy and you can't understand how he could yeah, be the same person. Yeah, he's pretty tempered. Especially seeing it in comparison to Kerry Washington who fails to come across as a believable human being the whole movie. Samuel L. Jackson does a remarkable job of grounding uh, a character and uh and yeah you should if you watch this movie pay attention to that and try to uh, get something out of that uh which do either of you have a teachable moment ready i'm still gonna push this we're eventually gonna get to do this <laughs> maybe we need to come up with a, a different gimmick no you're just gonna remember that we what do I, it. What yeah. I, maybe instead of what i want to teach it's what i learned like i said i've said this before i said this in the t in tony's episodes you can teach whatever you want. It can be anything. It can be something you thought was super boring. It can be something you thought was really bad. Something you thought was good. You'd just be like, hey, if you watch this movie, here's what, here's something you should pay attention to and try to get out of it. It's just like a guide. It's like I feel a, like this is the third time you've taught me about a teachable yeah. moment. And you still, you don't learn. <laughs> <I'm> stubborn. <laughs> I, I am pretty stubborn. Wait, you go. God, yeah. I just want to talk. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. It's just like... If you're... People, if you're going to make characters who are kind of abhorrent, you either need to, like, make them just, like, complete boogeymen 
or like make them believable human beings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like Samuel L. Jackson's character is caught in this kind of purgatory between being like a nuanced character and just being like this vile creature. Yeah. And yeah. so like it's like unsatisfying. It's just like you're just kind of confused. Like he, he may there may be something here. Like there are motivations, but like we don't get inside his mental processes. Like. So they don't, like, really connect to anything that's going on in the movie. Yeah, it seems like we should sympathize with him, but we are never given... It seems like we're meant to sympathize with him somehow, but, like, he's completely unsympathetic. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So just, like, make your characters, well, whatever purpose they're serving your movie, like, write them to that purpose and make it clear. And I do, I do though, want to say, now that you mentioned that, this is probably the first movie we've watched in a long time that passes the do the characters have traits test <laughs> Which, oh yeah yeah like i mean as as not great as some of the characters are most of the characters in this movie you could probably name a couple things about we them. know a little about their personality yeah like something about their past something about like what they feel about certain things or how they react yeah so still but there's always room to improve on that it's yeah. a, that's it's such a low bar we've set for movies to be able to like ha have characters that are describable after the fact but there you go I have, I have, I thought of a, a teachable Yes. Moment. Yes. <laughs> Please enlighten. This is a, a life teachable moment. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to oh, go there. Yeah. I'm going to go there. Now, uh, some of our listeners may know that Paolo and I are in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> what? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little personal relationship advice oh, man. and that is, couch, that, is, uh, that is be a team be a team <laughs> <laughs> if you're a team then you always have a teammate and the teammate usually will help you win and if you don't have a teammate then you're just fighting on your team and that's no good yeah if if when you get a text from your girlfriend you're like oh my fucking the fucking bitch nagging me like you have a terrible relationship. Yeah, it's like you should not be Both of you're good. Yeah, right. No one's benefiting at that point. <laughs> yeah. That's your reaction. Well, and if you if you tell your husband I'm pregnant and he says I have to go to work, uh, yeah, <laughs> stone face. <laughs> and like she annoyed. Said, and then uh. you say whatever. Yeah, if you end five arguments in five days with whatever, then. Come on, <laughs> we, we never we didn't talk about that scene. Really. Whatever. No, like the the, the pregnancy scene. Oh, we, we talked about like the context. Yeah, we, we really did not scene. talk about it. Chris, uh, Chris's reaction to Lisa. Yeah, I mean, because Carrie Washington says I'm pregnant, and he says, "Are you sure?" And she says, "I took three tests." And he, then he says, "How could this happen? How is this possible? You're on the pill." And you're like, "Well, I missed a couple." I missed a couple. And then, yeah. what does he say? Well, she says, I might have missed a couple. And he's like, you might have? <laughs> like, how, like, how, well, she's like, I thought you would be happy about this. Also, this, as, as far as I can tell in movie time, this pregnancy happens three days after they moved into the house. Yeah, like, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Which, that's not how pregnancy works. Nope. No, no. <laughs> plus, if you've been on the pill for a while, yeah. like, you're like, you could take it for like, not take the pill for like a week. And I feel like it. Yeah, yeah there should have been a word. He like that. looks at her and he, he opens her drawer and she just has like mountains of pills. <laughs> that she has to take it. Come out of the covers. <laughs> you were never on the pill. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> well, and her being pregnant 
that never comes up when she gets beat up by the guy who intrudes her house. Then she gets in that car accident. <laughs> yeah. And she, like, falls it does off come the up. Bed. It does come up when that guy intruder comes in. Oh. Like, Chris says the, the baby's fine. Yeah. Right? Oh, when she okay. cuts up his arm. Oh, okay. So that, that does come up. Well, and there's that one moment after that conversation, the next day after that conversation, he goes, he walks up to her and she's just sitting up by the pool and he goes, well, you certainly don't look pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> It's been like yeah, a week. She, yeah, she's what, like three days pregnant? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, so that's how pregnancy tests work too also. You know, you take, you get pregnant, and then you take a test a day later, and it's like, you're pregnant. You don't have to wait like six weeks And or when anything. you look at that plus, or whatever the sign is on the thing, your body just instantly starts to inflate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's make what pregnancy room, is. It's just like, maybe they've been there for longer than, you know, like, the week that it seems. Yeah, uh, uh, time passing in this movie was not something A little unclear. Easy, yeah. Yeah. There aren't, like, demarcations. Easily understood. So. But yeah, anyway, if you're in a relationship, you should uh, really like the person you're in a relationship <laughs> with. <laughs> That's always a good start. Yeah. From me to you, audience. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. If you do that, that's if you do that type of uh, learnable moment, that's fine. I Life lessons? I am 100% happy with that. So... <laughs> <laughs> Carry wisdom. Yeah, and it tied in the movie. That, that I was did. Good. I did. I tried. You you can do it. <laughs> That's a high five. <laughs> These yeah. guys really are a team. That everyone. sound was the sound of a team <laughs> re reengaging their bond. Uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, so yeah, uh, I don't know if I'd recommend. Like, no, don't, don't see it. If, uh, great, maybe if you're a sick day movie, sure. Uh, no, know. there's better sick day movies. Watch Bull Durham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't really argue that. Just watch Bull Durham. Uh, Wait, <laughs> do you want to watch Bull Durham? Guys, yeah. All right, guys. Bull. Let's all get sick and watch Bull Durham, guys. <laughs> Bull Durham is great. <laughs> young, young Tim Robbins. You'd see his butt a couple times. And how hairy Kevin Costner was. Oh my god, he's so hairy! <laughs> Alright. Okay, All right, so yeah, this is about the Secret yeah. Cinema. I'm Paolo. Secret Cinema. I'm Carrie. I'm Wade. Thanks for listening. Thank you. The Secret Cinema is produced and edited by Paolo Caro. All theme songs were performed and recorded by Ricardo Ortiz. Any additional music or samples come from the film covered on this week's episode. All logos and artwork created by Carrie Chafee. You can follow Carrie on Instagram at CarrieSawThis and see more of her artwork at www.CarrieChafee.com. You can watch Paolo's short films at Vimeo.com slash or read more of his ramblings about film at letterbox.com slash The Secret Cinema is a commentary and criticism podcast, and its use of film dialogue and film music for illustrative purposes falls under the fair use provision.